So like I said, my name is John Michael Clark. Yes, my first name is John Michael. That's J-O-N dash Michael. I know it's a first name. I don't know why I asked my mom why she named me that. But I, I like it, so. Uh, as you can see, John is not here, and for some reason he uh, put me in charge to speak, so good luck. Anyways, uh, I wanna thank you for, for coming. Um, and like I said, I am the summer intern this year, or this summer, and uh, a few weeks ago, John came to me and said, hey, I want to uh, start investing in you and mentoring you and discipling you, because I know you want to be a pastor and I want to I wanna help you through that. And what's an amazing that John did that because that's what pastors should be doing, is investing in people who are wanting to learn. So he started doing that, and um, I've been going to the center probably for two years now since fall 2018 and been involved in certain ways and last year got more involved with the youth group and playing drums so you guys might have seen me around but um but yeah so I'm super excited today because John wanted me to share with you guys and continue in our series of the comeback stronger series um this is uh this week is called worship over worry so we've talked about planning over uh praying over planning we've talked about um Sunday through Monday we've talked about um uh, prayer. And so then now we're talking about worship over worry. But for those who don't know me, I am actually from Traverse City. So any of those who know where Traverse City is, it's up in the pinky. And I was born and raised there. My dad was a pastor. I grew up going to church. And through that experience, um, I wanted to be a pastor and then I didn't want to be a pastor. And then it kind of, you really can't avoid it. So it's going to happen. And uh, for those um, who also are from Traverse City or know anything about it. It's, you know, it's kind of city. It's also kind of outdoorsy. So I enjoy hunting. I enjoy fishing. I like woodworking. I'm pretty active. I like to be outside. I like playing basketball and working out with friends. Um, and one thing that I am not good at, or one thing I don't like to do, is to play disc golf. And that's a huge thing up there. But I actually have a funny story with disc golfing. So a few weeks ago, uh, me and my friends were playing at our school because there's a course at uh, Grace Christian University where I'm studying ministry. And uh, we're playing the course about 18 holes. And as we're coming around, we're, we're uh, nearing the last hole. And there's one, there's one hole left. And then there's a basketball court over here. The guy's shooting around. We all throw our discs. And uh, I go up to my disc and I grab it. And I go to throw it one more time to the basket. So I, I, I let go. And it starts going this way. And I was like, oh, no. There's a guy shooting hoops right now and it's headed right for him. And so I was like, hey, watch out. And my buddy Adam said, hey, he's got headphones in. And I still had time to think, wow, this sucks. Uh, so I watched the disc veer, it hit him right in the face. I hit a dude in the face with a disc. Um, yeah, it was not on accident. Don't, I don't want you to think that I did it on purpose or I hurt people for fun. I don't. I hit him in the face. And so I sat and I was like, this sucks. And so I started walking to him and he's, he's bent over holding his face. And I'm thinking like, man, what do I do? Like, I can't avoid this. I, I can't walk away. I, I, I got to go address this issue. And so I go and talk to him and he's still not talking to me. And I'm like, Hey, like, I, I'm so sorry. I like, I'm, I'm like, I don't even know what to say. Like, there's nothing I can do for you. I did go get him some paper towel and some water. Me and my friends helped him. We're talking to him and he ended up being cool about it. I don't know why he had all the right to hurt me, but he walked with the bloody lip and I walked with my pants full. So it was a, it was a definitely an experience that I never want to experience again. And that's why I don't like disc golfing. So would never suggest it. But what's crazy about this concept, I know it's funny and I hit someone in the face, really funny, but what's funny about that or what's cool about that is once I threw it, once, once the disc left my hand, I had no control over the disc. 
that's not an excuse. I still hit him. No, like, no excuse, but I had no control over the disc. I had no control of him, of how he's going to respond to it. I could only control how I was going to respond to the situation. And that's really how life is. That's my transition. That's how life is. Life's uh, out of control. Um, we can't control the weather. You know, it's really sunny right now. Everyone's hugging against the wall, which I, I respect. But we also can't control people. I can't control you guys. You guys could get up and walk out right now, but please don't. And so I can't control you. And also there's sin in the world, and we can't control the sin in this world. It's a pretty common theme that we can't control a whole lot. And I believe today that whatever I'm going to share with you can really help you understand uh, how to control yourself and how to control your own emotions and change your perspective on, some, on a whole new outlook on life. And in the Bible, there's actually a great story that perfectly explains someone who is experiencing life completely out of their control, but yet it was they, the way they responded that I want to model my life after. So if you guys can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1, we'll be learning about a story about a woman named Hannah. Hannah is Samuel's mom, but the beginning of this chapter, the beginning of the story, we learn about who Hannah is. 1 Samuel chapter 1. All right, hopefully you guys are there. And hopefully this page won't keep turning because of the wind. <clears throat> All right, First Samuel chapter 1. So there's a man named Elkanah. He has two wives, weird. One is named Hannah and one name is Penina. Penina has children, but Hannah does not have any children. She's barren because the Lord closed her womb. Now year by year, this man, Elkanah, would go up to Shiloh and worship before the Lord and sacrifice there. Now, with this sacrifice, you usually bring some portions back for your family. And so Elkanah would give portions to uh, her, uh, to uh, Penina and all her children, which are also his children. But also he would give a double portion, a special portion to Hannah because he cared for Hannah. He felt bad for her. She can't have children. He was, Hannah was most likely Elkanah's first wife, but because she couldn't have children, he probably married Penina. But he had compassion on her, so he gave her double portion. And because of this, Penina was pretty upset. She was, uh, she was jealous. It says uh, in verse 6, it says, And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. That's just the classic bully right there. Um, and so year by year, this would happen. And each year, Hannah was getting more and more fed up with not being able to have children, praying to God. Uh, Elkanah just kind of like having pity on her, kind of um, just like here, like this will make up for you not having children. Here's a double portion. It just wouldn't work. And we see that Hannah would not eat the portions and she was not eating and she was not saying anything. She was just weeping. She was sad. Elkanah comes to her and says, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart so sad? Am I not more than you? Am I not more to you than 10 sons? As we see here, Elkanah just doesn't get it. Hannah says, uh, they end up eating and they end up going. And they, the year after that, they go to the temple again to, um, to pray. Now, Eli is the priest and was sitting beside the doorstep of the temple of the Lord. And, she, and he saw that she was deeply distressed and was praying to the Lord and wept bitterly. 
she vowed and said, oh Lord, if you can, uh, if you will look into me with affliction, uh, affliction uh, of your servant, remember me and not forget your servant, but will give you a servant of a son and I will give him to you, O Lord. All of the days of his life, no razor, no razor shall touch his head. So she's praying for his son. That's all she wants is just a kid. She wants someone to call her own son to carry on her name. And with this, uh, the, uh, as she was praying this, Eli thought it'd be smart to say, hey, are you drunk? Because you're talking with, without any words coming out of your mouth. He said, Eli, how long are you going to go on being drunk? Put your wine away. But Hannah was so confused, like, I'm praying. Oh, I am, why does he think I'm drunk? He said, no, Lord, I am troubled in spirit, and I've drunk neither wine or strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. And then she said, do not regard me as a worthless woman, for I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. In 17, Eli says, then go in peace, God of Israel, and grant your uh, may the Lord grant your petition to you that you've made to him. Uh, the next morning, they woke up early. Hannah and uh, Elkanah worshiped before the Lord early in the morning. And they went on their way, and Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, which you know what that means. And eventually we'll see that they have a son. So I want to emphasize a few things here. We know that Hannah is barren, but I, don't th uh, I think some of you might know what that feels like, but to give more context of what that would be like to not have children in this culture, Hannah's barrenness, barrenness in that time was seen as, a, I mean, excuse me, bearing children, the ability to bear children, to have kids, is uh, shown as a blessing of God. And when you can't bear children, it's shown as your sin. It's a punishment from God. That's what they thought back then. I don't know where they got that from, but they thought, thought that you were full of sin and you can't have children. So God is punishing you in that way. Hannah's also dealing with her rival, um, provoking her out of her jealousy. Not only can you not have kids, but your husband's sleeping with someone else. She's being bullied and she has deep anxiety and deep hurt from this. Because of Hannah's barrenness, Elkanah would go, uh, would go out and uh, Elkanah would give her double portions and would kind of have sympathy on her and pity. In this time and day, societally, this would bring your status way down. You'd be seen as the lowest of lows. Not only that, but you can't carry on your family's name. Your family stops right there if you can't have kids. Also, Elkanah just doesn't get it. Does not understand his wife's, uh, yeah, his wife's pain and hurt. As we see in verse 15, Hannah says, No, my Lord, I'm, not, I'm troubled in spirit, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Hannah acknowledges her great anxiety and vexation. She realizes her, her, her pain. She sees that I can't have children. I'm being made fun of. I can't carry in my family's name. My husband doesn't understand my hurt. She, I feel like a lot of you might be able to relate to her in these ways. Hannah had every right to worry. Am I right? but she still worshiped God. Like I said, maybe some of you might understand this pain and hurt. Maybe you feel troubled because you can't bear children. Maybe some of you have actually experienced that. Maybe you feel like a failure in life just from failing in school, failing in relationships. Maybe you can't live up to the expectation in your life. Someone's put on you. Someone expects things from you. A, a, your parents' expectation of going to school or being good at something, you just can't live up to it. Maybe no one is there for you and you needed the most. Like you feel just so alone for whatever you're going through. 
Maybe you're having relationship problems like Hannah, like serious relationship problems. This is really messed up. Maybe your family's going through something right now and you don't know how it's going to come out in the end. Maybe you're just full of insecurities and you care so much about what people think about you and what you wear and what you do and how I look, what I say, what I do. You're just full of these insecurities and it's, it's eating you up. Maybe each night you have crippling anxiety that you can't fall asleep at night because your mind just doesn't stop running and you keep thinking and thinking and thinking of the worst case scenarios. Maybe someone just doesn't understand your pain. No one gets you. Maybe you feel your life is completely out of control and there's no hope there's no way God can save you now. I wonder if any of you can feel those things. I know that Hannah felt all of those things. So if you guys can just somehow sympathize and, and realize what Hannah's going through, and I bet some of you here can relate to that, this worry. Now, honestly, this message really speaks to me, this, uh, this story of Hannah and what she's going through. Uh, actually, this past season of my life last year was probably one of the hardest times I've ever been through in my life. Um, last year, I got a phone call from my brother, and he said, hey, can you go to your, can you be alone? And I was like, okay, what's up? And so I went to my car, and I, he told me that, hey, this morning, dad died. And when you get that phone call, something you never want to hear, it hits you, and you, you're shocked, and you don't know what to do. You don't know what to feel about it. I ended up having to go home two and a half hours up north of Traverse City, where I'm from, and I would spend the next month or so grieving with my family. I had, all, I had all the questions, you know, God, why? What are you doing here? Like, where are you? I had every right to worry, just like Hannah did. Like, her life was terrible in the moment. I couldn't see to the other side of what I was going through. And I knew I was entering a season in which I was gonna be grieving for a while. But I chose to trust God. If it wasn't for the people in my life speaking into my life saying, hey, God's going to be glorified through this, which I can't see right now, but just trusting, having faith that God will be glorified through this. If it wasn't for, my, for me investing in my relationship with God and spending every day with him. If I hadn't done any of that, I don't know how low I'd be right now, but it was because of God because of my relationship with God, that I worshiped him. I acknowledged who he was. I acknowledged where he was in my life and control. That I'm here now, able to speak to you guys about it because I've been healing through it. Because I'm, I'm trusting God through that all. Whenever life is out of control, remember that God is not. So whenever life is out of control, whenever something in your life is happening, it's going crazy, something happens to you, you can't have kids, people are making fun of you, you're going through a hard season. When life is out of control, remember that God is not. When you acknowledge this about God, that he is in control, that is worship. Worship is, is acknowledging and praising who Jesus is and who God is. That's what worship is. It's not always singing songs. When we sing songs, we are, we are saying like, uh, God, I'll see that you do it again, or that you're a good, good father, or that, um, that uh, you're the lion and the lamb. Like we are acknowledging who God is and we're worshiping him because of that. And if we remember, Hannah poured her soul to God and she trusted him, right? Let's not, let's not lose perspective here about, San, uh, about Hannah. Hannah, who she prayed for, the son she prayed for, became Samuel. And Samuel became a mentor to Saul, became a mentor to David. And David is the line of Jesus. Uh, remember that in your worry, there is still hope. 
So when we worship, we are praising who God is. And the amazing part about our God, who is in control, who is all sovereign, who has everything planned out, who has everything in his hands. If we remember that, remember that about God, we also remember that he loves you and cares for you, right? He cares for you. He made you. He didn't have to, but he did. He didn't have to save us, but he did. That's First uh, Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So let your worry be the trigger to worship. When you worry, I want you guys to choose to worship God. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to end in, in song. God, I want to thank you for who you are today. Open everyone's heart here, Lord, to receive what you have to say to them, and that at least something spoke to them, God, that we can worship over our worry. We can look to Hannah and see that she had every right to worry, but she still chose to worship God. And whatever, everyone's, whatever they're going through today, God, give them the confidence to worship you and acknowledge that you are all sovereign. You're in control. You have everything in their hands, Lord, and you love them and you care for them. You sent your son for them to die for them. So we thank you for who you are. And amen.